Welcome back to another episode of HBG Insights. Today, we have Jane Nichols and Kate Tuhill. How are you guys today? Good, thanks, Dwayne. Good, thanks. Um, I'm very excited for you to sit down with me. Um, today, we're going to be chatting all things customer service. Um, I think it's really it's a really good idea for us to do this because we're going to be giving people a massive insight into what's been going on in the customer service industry um, across medical devices, pharmaceuticals, but also talking about candidates um, and employers and what they're looking for um, coming into 2023 and comparing that also to what's been going on over the past few years. So yeah. first of all, I'll get you both just to introduce yourself. So just give us your name. Um, your role and actually the areas across healthcare that you recruit in. So my name's Jane Nichols. Um, I'm the divisional manager for business support. I personally recruit for customer service and HR, and that's across med device, biotech, and pharmaceutical companies, or anything that falls underneath that umbrella. Perfect. Uh, so I'm Kate Tuhill and I'm a recruitment consultant um, and I deal mainly with just customer service and the areas I recruit for is optics, um, FMCG, um, animal health and then med- medical device and pharmaceuticals. Perfect. So just to start off, let's go straight in. What exactly does a customer rep within within healthcare do? Because people, you're a customer rep and then you automatically go to an Apple customer rep or you think of like Telstra customer reps and they're just on the phone to you, but customer service within healthcare is so different. So can one of you just give us a quick insight into what does that look like? Yeah, so it's it's much more of a corporate environment. It's not just answering the phones. You're a lot more involved. Um, you're understanding that you are part of a patient's journey at the end of the day. Um, if you're king in an order and it needs to be correct, that can be a patient on the table, life-threatening situation at the time. Um, so it's very high attention to detail, taking in every piece of information that you need to note in order to place that order, um, and then working with everybody else within the business in order to get that product out. Awesome. Yeah, but yeah, you're right in saying that. People think that it's customer service is just answering the phone, I'm, you know, I don't even know what, yeah, answering the phone and pushing yeah. paper. But it's not, there's so much more to it. It's really analytical, high attention to detail. And yeah. You have to be quite legit, like logistical as well with it as well, because sometimes you could be um, <clears throat> communicating with a number of different um, teams or a number of different organizations just to actually get, like Kate said, like a product to a patient in time. Yeah, definitely. It's changed definitely in the last six years that we've seen customer service go from where it's like the key and the orders answering the phone. There's a lot more automations now out there with various systems. So you actually get customer service at a more customer service stroke supply chain. Mm. So a lot more analytical dealing with um, inventory numbers and what's available, dealing with the logistics element of it as well. Um, and having that like bird's eye view of what's happening to get products out. Amazing. Can be it sounds a little bit intense. It can a little bit be. intense. <laughs> um so you guys have actually touched on my next question. Like I said, it can be intense. What what are some of the characteristics that actually make um a good customer service representative? Yeah, someone that would be great at customer service, high attention to detail, enjoys um doing that data entry side of things, enjoys working in Excel spreadsheets someone that is great on the phone as well happy mm. to pitch in where needed and um, clear and concise communication 
What about you? I would also say technically minded as well. A lot of the products that they're dealing with are very technical and they need to be able to explain that to their customers and also understand it as well. And then I guess from a standpoint of, let's say, skills and um, kind of softwares that they need to be, I mean, aware of using. You mentioned Excel, but is there anything else that... um, particularly customer service reps need? And is there a difference between, I guess, the industries in which you recruit for? Because obviously you're saying um, you're in optics, animal health, and then you're in pharma. Is there a difference between what's come some customer reps need for you, Kate, compared to what they need for you, Jim? Um, for systems, um, it tends to be pretty generic across the industry. Um, so SAP, Oracle, JD Edwards, they're really common systems used. Um, and then we've got EDI, so electronic data interchange, which is more that automation of ordering. And then you've also got um, Salesforce to record or like mm. various CRM systems as well. So we look for candidates with them skill sets. But then the difference between the various industries, I think that comes down to maybe mm. their background of the candidate. And some companies, they'll look for somebody with that technical experience, like Kate mentioned. So either that understanding of the product or how it's used. And then it can be another, well, yeah, like optical, for example, mm. Kate's our guru in that space <laughs> and you would look for something different than I would look for say for pharma yeah exactly yeah so with optics it tends to they tend to come from that retail background where mm. that foundational training has occurred um, tends to be where those sorts of candidates come from um, and I mean with animal health we also see a rise with um, people like veterinary nurses coming through um, using the skill set that they've been trained in to not necessarily be in the environment that they may now find isn't what they're looking for, but they can then apply those skills into a more corporate environment. Yeah, so it's definitely a case of a lot of the time just quite transferable skills that people will mm. be using, yeah. um, especially someone, a veterinary nurse, travelling across, they have all that experience within a vet so they know exactly what a lot of these animals need and then they're coming in at another realm of assisting within the healthcare space but from a different angle, I guess. Yeah. Um, but even with the products as well, like they may get a phone call from like a veterinarian or a vet and saying, oh, I need to order this product. Now, because they've worked in there, they know if they order that product, they also need that this, other product yeah, as okay. well. Or there's actually four different sizes of that one product. And then it's proven to ask that question to say, oh, well, which, which size do you need? Yeah. So Interesting. that's only yeah, like yeah. knowledge gained from being and in that. You, we talk about different areas and the fact that certain experiences will determine whether they're good for a certain role within a certain environment. Um, Do you find a lot of the companies that you guys are recruiting for, do you find they're really like specific about it or are they willing to take people in and train them up to, I guess, suit the role that they're recruiting for? Yeah, I think it depends on the company, but also the role and what is happening within that team at the time Mm. Um, if there's a specific need within the company then they might on the team they might be a little bit more specific in what they're looking for if the team is okay and they can actually bring in some new talent then they're open to those out-of-the-box candidates and training people up yeah so just it pretty much just varies from employer to employer yeah um so in terms of i guess career progression for someone that works in a customer as a customer service rep what, what does that look like? What are people's options if they, I guess, <clears throat> Kate's example, a nurse, a vet nurse, 
moving into customer service as a rep, what are their options then moving forward? What can they what can they do past that? Um, yeah, for career progression within customer service, we've seen it go in a variety of routes. So yeah. you can go customer service into inside sales and then inside sales into a sales representative. Um, we've also seen it go through supply chain. So someone that's really analytical, enjoys working with the data, can then move into more supply chain roles as well. Um, we've seen people go into marketing as well from customer okay. service. And I've even seen like going into pharma um pharmacovigilance as well. So okay. it can really vary depending on the company that you're with, but typically it normally is sales or, or supply yeah. chain. Okay. Well, I actually didn't realize that you have seen people move from customer rep into marketing cause, mm. or even pharmacovigilance because a lot of the times, like you said, it's usually into inside sales or sales, or even a lot of times it goes into logistics and supply chain. But yeah. It's good for people to hear that they, they do have those options based on what their career plan is they, and their progression. They're dealing with the products every day. So they already know that yeah. backstory to the product. Yeah. So it's a lot easier for them to transition, transition over. In. And for a company to keep a really good employee rather than letting them go. Yeah, definitely. And the pharmacovigilance, that was like a science graduate started off in a junior customer service role, had the right attitudes, great communication yeah. skills, just like hit the ground running worked the way up within the customer service team and then applied internally for pharmacovigilance and she was successful. So that's the reason why she moved into that space. But she did have a science degree. That's unreal. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah. And that wasn't even something that she kind of planned. Was it kind of just yeah. serendipitous? It just happened? A hundred percent. Because that's the thing. Science grads come out and typically speaking, you'll say, okay, what job or career do you want? <laughs> what, do you want what do you want to be? Five years time. <laughs> And some have no idea yeah. apart from I want to be in sales or I want to go into clinical trials because that's all they think that there is because that's all they know type mm. thing. So then you get them into like a more junior level, like admin, reception, customer service. And that's my advice to a lot of like science grads. Don't worry about the job title at first. Just get your foot into a door with a mm. really good company. Learn what the functions are and you'll find something that you will gravitate to that you and you'll enjoy doing. Um, and sometimes they're really surprised that they enjoy doing customer service. Like we do call it like the engine room of a company. Yeah, you know, yeah. it stops work and everything stops. So they feel that they've got that responsibility to uphold as well. So, yeah. Do you have any, I guess, stories of, that you know of anyone that you've, I guess, placed where they've they've done something that's been so amazing as a customer rep that they really had a, an impact on a patient's lives. They may have like got some feedback, or maybe they got a phone call being like, "Because you did this, this is what happened." We find out where the end product happened. Yeah. Do you have any stories like that? Um, I've got uh, there was um, flooding in Australia like a few years ago. Now it was mm -hmm. and. This customer service rep, science graduate, went into a pharmaceutical company just as entry-level role. Um, he actually got put on the flooding, um, like they had like a flooding team just looking after all the customer service orders. And these um, products were used like literally on a daily basis. People relied on them. And he worked with the Navy to get products airlifted into, well, first of all, shipped out to various places. Yeah. And then airlifted into like remote locations and he was like i just caught up with him for a coffee after and he was just like oh my god jane i'm doing this like i'm literally getting products from our warehouse in sydney 
working with the navy and working with them to get airlifted into that's this incredible. like random place within australia that's been unfortunately like flooded out but at the end of that was a patient and probably a patient's family that mm -hmm. were worried stricken that oh my goodness like how are we going to get this drug to you know the dad or the yeah. whoever it was um so yeah so that's something that sticks with me that someone can be in these roles and have such an impact and gain that experience that's um that's incredible and i guess that was also going to cover my next question is why is a role of a customer service rep so integral to the healthcare mm -hmm. system and it's stuff like that and again it goes back to what i said earlier when people think customer rep outside of healthcare they think telstra or they think yeah. apple customer service but really the roles that these people are doing is so important mm. um and if you're not analytical enough or you're not like that much savvy with logistics like things can fall apart and then that again can yeah. have a knock-on effect with patients at the end of the way so that's that's an amazing amazing story um and in terms of the integral role that customer service service representatives play within healthcare um what are they actually looking for within 2023 moving forward in terms of i guess flexibility and um, work-life balance what, what are you seeing candidates look for um this year definitely flexibility they're looking for at least two to three days um, either working from home or in the office mm. um, they have really enjoyed the balance that they've gained during um, COVID um, we're also seeing higher salaries um, that tends to be something that they're really looking for um, with the price of um, living going up that tends to be sort of forefront in their minds as well yeah um, another one is company culture um, culture is really big if they are going to make the move they want to make sure it's the right move um, they don't want to have to move roles again because it's not the right culture um, and we're also seeing a rise in additional benefits being requested, things like health insurance um, or payments towards that or um, like lunches out or maybe an extra day that's birthday leave mm. or whether there's a company-wide shutdown um, at Christmas time that that's free leave. Um, we're just seeing things like that being requested. And when you say flexibility, because obviously flexibility of work is going to vary mm. from company to company and person yeah. to person. What does, from what you've seen, what are actual like specific flex, quote unquote flexibility that candidates are looking for? Are they looking for flexibility as in, if I want to work five days a week at home, I can do that. Um, I want to work three days in the office, two days at home, or in the flip, three days at um at home and two days in the office. Like what what are you seeing, and what are what are some companies actually offering in that end, yeah. and are they willing to kind of I guess be a bit flexible on their end mm. with terms of what this candidate is looking for yeah like it is true flexibility is a very ambiguous way yeah. <laughs> it means it so be much i want to work in fiji for half yeah. an hour, but <laughs> <no you> can. <laughs> um yeah it means different to every single person it really does but majority of the time when people say flexibility it is being able to have the opportunity to work from home a few days and then be in the office. I think that's pretty much like a given now. Yeah. Um, Expectation-wise from candidates and also expectation-wise from um, like employers as well. Um, but then we are also seeing like within customer service, you know, the phones are normally there nine till five. You know, yeah. you need somebody available to answer the phones during them time. So we've seen um, managers get creative in terms of 
given flexibility in various ways. So recently I met with a client and she says, um, I give one person each week on a Friday a no phone day. So they can just do admin all day. They don't need to worry about answering the phone. Okay. So that person can work from home that day um, and doesn't need to worry about getting the phone yeah. calls. So that's really attractive to some people to do that. Um, and then we see other companies, I've seen a couple do this, where on a Friday as well, they'll just rotate it around the team where one person will come in early and finish early. So they'll mm. come in, say, at eight o'clock and then finish at four um, or even earlier than that. Yeah. And that gives that person on a Friday, oh, this is my early finish Yeah, that's this amazing. Week. And it's only an hour or so, but... Well, it helps. Know, it makes yeah. such a big difference. A when difference <laughs> on a Friday, yeah. you want to be out the door and start your weekend with the family or friends. So, yeah, companies are getting a bit creative of how they can try and offer flexibility without it costing the company money. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it is like customer service, it tends to be more an entry level role or some, you know, a role which it needs to be manned constantly. Someone yeah. needs to be available. So, yeah. Yeah, because I guess it's come to the point now where every, pretty much every one of our clients are offering some level of flexibility. Yeah. Um, so that's no longer going to be like a, a USP for yeah, these companies. Yeah, so yeah. it is a level of like, okay, what else can we offer without us like losing business or losing productivity or losing yeah. efficiency? Because again, at the end of the day, it's a patient at the end. So yeah. you can't you can't do too much if it's going to have a negative effect on the patient. Yeah. Um, and in terms of other things that the candidates are looking for, um, you mentioned, I guess, pay. Mm. Obviously, living costs are going up. Yeah. Um, housing is going up, rent's going up, and people are looking for higher wages. What's kind of the comparison between, I guess, 2022 into 2023 compared to three years ago? What, what kind of jump have we seen percentage-wise yeah. or just... I guess sixty thousand and now the standard seventy. What what what's that looking like? Yeah. That's literally probably a, is like, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've answered your own question, Dwayne. Yeah, yeah like it, is it does it vary? So I guess for you in optics animal health, is is the is the salary varying between the both of you you've been finding? It, entry level can be as low as sort of sixty. Mm. Um that tends to be sort of across the board yeah. in terms of most entry level and then an entry level when you say that, does that mean someone who's never done Customer not service or been not in that customer service environment, so they may have been in another sort of environment, whether that be retail or something, but they haven't been in a corporate environment. Okay. Yeah, but that yeah, I'd say that's mm. like at this given time, if mm. you speak to candidates with like good transferable skills, mm. they normally are now looking around that sixty-five k. Yeah, um, to get into a role. So, for where... example, if using a veterinary nurse for kids, example, mm. if. I was recruiting for a customer service rep within animal health and I had a veterinary nurse who has five or six years experience mm, yeah. in that realm and you've managed to convince mm. transferable skills that the employee the employers are happy enough with that would that person be counted as entry level or because of their experience of six years within as a veterinary nurse would they be able to maybe have a case to maybe hire ask for a higher salary or a better package it, salary package again it goes back to the company yeah um, okay. it just depends because the other thing is they may actually be willing to take a pay cut when 
they're looking at it as a form of now they're needing to work Monday to Friday. They're no longer on call Got, yeah. to come in on weekends. Um, yeah. Their days might be shorter. It's the same um, with we're seeing a rise in nurses go into customer service as well. Mm. They're not on call all the time. They're not having to work weekends. So they do understand now they're getting a bit more work-life balance yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, as well. So that sort of, it depends on the company and the role and again, where they're sort of sitting um, in that sort of sense as well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's from like say three years ago to now, it's definitely, it used to be more of a 65, yeah, it used to be like 60K entry level for sure, 57, 55, mm. around that mark. And then now for entry level, I'd definitely say it was more around that 60 to 65 that people mm. are looking for. Somebody with say, three plus years, three to five years experience, they're around 70,000 plus super. Mm. And then somebody with like say 10 years experience, they can be between that 75 to 85 plus super. The highest salary that I placed last year in 2022 was 90,000 plus super Mm. for a customer service rep. And that was working in a pharmaceutical business and they've restructured their team. So it's more, it's not order processing all day. They'll bring in really experienced people. So mm. then if there's a new product launch that's going out, they'll be involved in how we're going to achieve this and get that out. They'll get people involved in them conversations and they don't necessarily have like a customer service manager. Mm. They've got really well experienced people in the team to mm. make the decisions themselves between the team to go, okay guys, like how are we gonna do this? And that, so they've really restructured and made Interesting. it quite lean. But then paying higher, higher, yeah, to get the experience behind it. Ninety thousand. Yeah, okay. that's pretty good. And there was and how many years experience well. did they have? Sorry, that person that went into that role and candidate out interview and they, yeah, they had like say fifteen years experience. Okay. The candidate actually got the role had been a manager in the past as well. Got you. Okay. And okay. then was like, I don't want to do people management anymore. <laughs> Quite happy to go and do my job, and go just do home. A job. Yeah, okay. So yeah, they like love the fact that she went into that role with yeah. that real knowledge of that supply chain elements and customer service and could see the bigger picture. It's not just about processing an order. It's about okay, we've got various moving parts. How are we going to achieve this? So yeah, that's been the highest one that I've seen last year. Do you think the, the salary expectations of customer service reps are going to keep climbing or do you think we're kind of at a sort of, sort of plateaued I for now? I think they've plateaued now. They yeah. went wild, didn't they, last yeah. year? Yeah, it was, they did. <laughs> yeah. it was... They were a bit crazy. <laughs> it was on a daily basis. It was yeah. literally trying to manage candidates' ex- like, Ex- expectations. Yeah, expectations. Yeah. It was like... The, that had no experience and they'll go mm. oh i want seventy thousand, and you're literally like you've got no experience yeah um i, I appreciate and that their attitude was well there's other jobs out there at one stage True. last year there was like you type in customer service into seek there was like twenty five thousand jobs in sydney mm. under customer service it was like within healthcare or yeah, is that it was just... like within within, within healthcare any... and fmcg it was like that's insane. wild okay so then it was so competitive there was hardly any candidates so companies to get the talent were yeah they were well, like into, we need people yeah, we'll true. pay it mm. but then that candidate's expectations just really went through the roof and then it was quite competitive when it got down to the final counter offering and yeah. off, you know mm. that stage it was just that seemed to have been uh, the same across multiple areas in healthcare obviously yeah we've done a podcast with the guys in clinical research and then we've yeah. done the supply chain and they've all said it's um it's definitely a candidate's market at the moment because 
lot of jobs, not enough people yeah, to fill 100%. those roles. So they're just taking advantage, I guess. Yeah. Don't blame then, them. As Kate mentioned before, when we do chat with candidates, they'll say, like, it's not all about the money. Mm. You know, mm. it's you, you do find real genuine people in customer service that love helping patients mm. and being mm. part of a team. And, like, I'm working with a candidate at the moment who was on like say 65k in a customer service role med device got offered 85k yeah of course they moved for that salary increase like Mm. and now they're like it i just jumped too quick i went Mm. for the money and actually it's not the culture that That i want um please find me like a new job like i i moved too quick and the next time i'm looking for a job salary is not number one it's all about the culture Mm. that's good to hear yeah it's good to hear. Great <laughs> <laughs> candidate to work with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like it, I think we'll certainly see a bit of a shift this year, and yeah. it'll start to steady out the market a bit more. And um, because I feel it for managers when they come to us and they're like, "What? what like, what are they offering out in the market now?" And you're telling them, they're like, "Oh, I'm like, I've not got the mean? budget for that. Like, I'm not going to get the budget for it." And they're they're like thinking, "Well, how are we going to attract people and yeah. be competitive?" And what else mm. can we like offer to candidates? So yeah, we do try and like try our best to just keep everyone's expectations like in line through the mm. process as best we can. So in the same vein, when it comes to employers needing candidates, what are they actually looking for in terms of years of experience? Are they accepting entry level? And when I say entry level, I mean kind of university students mm. just leaving um, part-time, full-time. What's kind of um, the thing that pa- uh, the thing that employers are looking for? I guess they're looking for mainly loyalty first up. Yeah. They want to know that their their potential new employee is going to be a loyal to not just the company, but the role itself mm. and also to their customers. Yeah. Um, especially in our technical support roles, they're dealing with patients, actual people every single day. Yeah. Mm. And they want to know that that loyalty is there. It's not oh, let me find out for you, I'll call you back and you don't call them back for three hours. That could be a diabetic pump that has stopped working. Yeah. That's that's critical. That's where it's, you know, what are your levels now? Do I need to call you an ambulance sort of thing? So that's where they're really wanting to see, A, the loyalty, not just to them, but also to their end customers yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, loyalty, the reliability as well of mm. candidates um when it does come down to the core skill set like the ideal on the list would be you know an erp um experience so sap maybe or oracle um that order processing experience with a tangible good uh, rather than a service um and somebody with high attention to detail we do test them with our candidates as well like if it's if a yeah like we can offer that as part of the recruitment process testing mm. so okay what does that look like so we'd send candidates online testing and it basically does the um high attention <laughs> 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 if they, so yeah the testing to candidates that we send out to them is um it basically assesses the attention to detail, the accuracy, the speed of typing as well. Mm. Um, it also does it in a call center, so like where they'll have to type in what is being um, on the speaker of the computer. Mm. So there's different tasks that we can do and send that to our candidates, and it kind of gives us a bit of a rough guideline of then of how they'll perform in the role. I didn't realize we did that. We do. Yeah, yes. okay, I'm learning something new today. <laughs> um, 
and in terms of i guess because every company is going to be different in terms of their expectations of what they need from their candidate are there certain kinds of companies that probably need a little bit more technical skills when it comes to the role than others and i guess what industries do you see looking for more so the technical compared to others yeah so like med device more so we tend to see um and again based on the company they may look say for example it's a i'm making this up but like a lab company they'll yeah. look for somebody maybe with like lab background okay. that understands and provide that technical advice over the phone Um, even with like hearing companies as well if they've got somebody who uses a hearing device mm -hmm. or knows somebody with a hearing device and can offer support over the phone of how to use it or yeah. oh, have you tried doing this like or you know giving that troubleshooting advice to someone that is so key and will set them apart to the other candidates the rest, yeah so um it is like if you've got experience in a background or med device space then applying to a customer service job in that sector you'd probably be more successful um for yours kate it's a bit more isn't it for optical i'd say yeah it, it's yeah it's technical but it's very it's hands-on training that you've you've required um in that sort of environment as well um and then being able to transfer that into the environment where you're not necessarily doing it by hand anymore um you're more talking people through it but you understand exactly what the customer is trying to talk about and what yeah. they're trying to do with their customer as well yeah because i think as well like i think that's a hesitation with um managers sometimes they're like this person needs to really be able to pick up our product portfolio yeah and if that is an optical like there's so many different there could be one product with multiple variations of that mm. one product and that can be applied really back to any industry yeah. really but um it's having if someone had that technical understanding um it just helps them then when they're processing through the order they actually even know what it looks well, exactly, like yeah. Yeah. and yeah. what it does so that helps them okay that's good to know and then whenever we talk about um candidates in the process can you give us some tips and tricks for people when it comes to the interviewing process yeah. what should candidates be doing before during and after i guess and i'll go for even in person and also over zoom because i guess there's still a lot of people interviewing over zoom yeah I know we do a lot of our um interviews over zoom yeah and um, what can you what piece of advice can you do so before an interview, um, we always provide preparation to our candidates, mm. like a link to the website, the people they're meeting with, um, the company or the job profile. Mm. You will be asked in the interview what you know about us as a business and mm -hmm. what you know about the job that you're looking for. And it's really common, I think, in interviews for them to panic a little bit and go, oh, well, I know a little bit, but I'd love to hear from you. And it's like, no, you need to know. Do people say mm. that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you need to know but, what job you are going for. Yeah, like, for yeah. sure. Like, I feel like that's just standard, though, is it not? It's how you get by in life. If you don't even know what job you're yeah, applying yeah. for, it's like mm. know the job and know the company as well. If you're sitting there just being, oh, it's a great company. It's you need to have real like solid experience, and you don't even need to go into the year they were founded yeah. and things like right. that. But just even to have an understanding of, oh, I understand you're a pharmaceutical company that specialises within, you know, um, 
like to diabetes or yeah. whatever it may be. Mm. My mind went blank then, so maybe <laughs> don't say that. Um, but you know, just an overview of what the co- like the company is and who their customers are and maybe who the competitors are. Mm. You know, that's what you should be looking for and preparing for going into an interview. Um, writing down some examples, like think back to your um, experience, you know, a time where you've had to deal with a challenging customer or mm. where you've had um, a conflict with a team member and how you resolved it. Mm. People, the stories we hear in interviews are sometimes mm. crazy. I feel that people really want to have like a full on story to share. Mm. It's not, we don't. No. We just want to hear an example where you've really been able to. And when it comes down to a conflict in the team, like that gives us lots of really like quite wonderful answers and all that we're looking for is like has it been where someone constantly makes mistakes and you were able to say to them hey do you know you've done that mistake again and they're like i didn't even know i was doing it and it was more of a training issue and then you provided a bit of extra training to that you know that colleague and that's it like but then that could have been creating a bit of like animosity within the team and you've just then been able to identify it take it away and the manager just thinks, okay, cool. So you're not afraid to be able to have nice conversations yeah, with someone true, to yeah. help them out. True, true, true. That's dealing with a conflict in the workplace. To me, anyway, that, that'd be fine. Um, so, yeah, preparing examples to share with employees um, or employers. I guess as well having a answer to, like, a standout situation yes. in which you've helped yeah. on. Um, going back to the candidate that had worked with the Navy or maybe it's that you personally dropped a product around to somebody's house, um, making sure you've got like a real standout example yeah. of where you have gone above and beyond yeah. for a customer. Because you will gasp. And yeah. what about, I guess, how people dress? Yes, Especially so. more so on Zoom because I've heard a few horror stories where people have come on to a Zoom call and they are not ready for even for interviews with you guys yeah. um, and yeah. with companies. They're just not ready. And I think there comes it comes a point where people have gotten so comfortable with the whole Zoom thing that they yeah. think they can just like rock up to an interview in, in just um, like a vest or something like that. Yeah. And I think as well, like we obviously interview candidates mm. every day and... Mm. Um, if you think about it with like hiring managers hopefully they're not hiring all the time they might just be hiring every like mm. 18 months two years so when they're going through this process managers they're really wanting to be impressed they mm. want to meet someone and go oh gosh they've spent the time to come on here looking professional they're already with the answers ready to go they mm. know what our company is about okay i'm going to show them the respect as well and give them the time and it will go a lot more smoothly for people. Um, I've had candidates interview on beds before. Mm. I find that really unprofessional. Okay. I've had yep. candidates interview in a foyer with people walking past them. In cars are really common. That's yep. like a bit of a great, I think. The car's a bit of a great area because sometimes yeah. obviously we are interviewing people when they are in their lunch breaks and yeah. things like that. Um, I think if you can be understanding in terms of the circumstances they're in, um, that one's a bit of a grey area. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're going for a final stage interview, I wouldn't recommend sitting yeah. in your yeah. car. If, say, for example, that that was the case and it was mm. like, Jane, that I've, I'm in work that day, I can't get a time off, it's the end of the mm. month, like we're really under the pump, the only space that I've got is in the car, just tell your recruiter about yeah. that so yeah. then they can, can be just prep the manager and just saying, I'll just let you know they're really keen for it, but it will mm. be in the car that yeah. the interviewing and some managers are fine with that they're like jane we get it you know yeah, it's for fine sure, for sure. but it's more of a shock when you come on and someone's like 
balancing the phone on the steering wheel and it just seems a bit unprofessional. And I also, I also think it's important to, to state, like you said, sometimes people can't help that they're going to have to yeah, do an interview yeah. in a car. But I think if they know that that's going to be the case, I think it's so important to prepare yourself. So yeah. make sure you've figured out how you're going to set your phone up so it's not looking at you from yeah. your chin. Mm. It's like in in front of you. Make sure you park your car somewhere where there's not going to be much foot traffic. There's not going to yeah. be actual car traffic or people pressing the horns, people walking past. Um, so I think it's all about adapting to the circumstances that you've been given. Yeah. But make sure you're preparing for that if you know especially if you know your interviews in a week and yeah. you know you're going to do yeah. it in a car you have a full week to prepare to yourself yeah. go into your car a couple of days before bring books and bring things that you can maybe prop up a, a tripod of some yeah. sort so that you know that okay at least once I do this it's going to be a good angle so that yeah. the conversation can go well and it doesn't look very awkward and rushed I think yeah. the other thing is to make sure you've got eye contact because mm. with virtual, it's very easy to look at what's happening around, around you. you. Yeah. You know, if you've snuck into a room in the office to do it, watch who's coming past. Um, it's very important to still keep that eye contact because yeah. um, it shows engagement as well. It shows that you're listening. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, oh, sorry, go on ahead. No, I was just going to say with the whole eye contact and mm. the right level, not holding a phone if you do have to use your phone for an yeah. interview like prop mm. it up against your laptop or books as you recommended have it at the right eye level have a blank wall behind you or something quite minimal so all the attention's on you in terms of what to wear it still is a professional interview sure. how would mm. you dress if you were going into the office to meet with them replicate that working mm. from home um and especially going into the office now that is becoming now going back to maybe normal days of going back in the office for mm. interviews so um you know it's a corporate environment that you're going into so put your best foot forward first mm. impressions last 100 percent um and what about i guess i think one of the key things i would say for people when they're interviewing is to ask the question at the end yeah yeah i think because when people when interviews ask that do you have a question for us it's basically them telling you ask us a question yeah. it's not it's it's like compulsory and the most common response is i think we've covered everything never say that <laughs> <laughs> you like, haven't no do you have any do you have any <laughs> questions that you could recommend people should or can ask at the my end of an interview? go to yeah my go-to question is always what do you enjoy about working here like, yeah. what is it why do you work here what what is it that in makes you want to come to work every day yeah um because then you kind of get a bit of more of an insight they're going to be your manager they're going to be above you why they want to come here every day mm -hmm. what's making them be your manager every yeah. day um and also it turns in company culture as well it, they might say oh you know they're super family friendly here they're really flexible around you know if you've got to go pick up your kid from daycare because they're not well you can work from home the rest of the day yes. um things like that it's those sorts of answers that you yeah. want to be hearing and what then, about you um questions to ask at the end of an interview I would be asking what does my day look like mm. if you're coming away from that interview not really knowing what job you're walking into or what your first week will look like yeah. or when you're really embedded into the role what you will be doing mm. you've not asked enough questions so definitely uh, can you describe a day of a life in a customer service yeah, with this true. company um you can <laughs> Just go from, if they can describe a day in the life of a customer rep, go from there. Yeah, I'd ask them if they can describe in the life of a customer service representative, and that'd give you really good insight into the role. 
I'd be asking them, what will be my biggest challenge or what do you think my biggest challenge That's will a be? Good one. They normally bring in somebody from the team to mm. interview you at some point. Yeah. Um, more from like, will this person get on with this person? And yeah. like, is this a good, um, will this be a good person for the team? Get their opinion and buy in. Ask them people who you're meeting with. Like, how did you find it when you first started? What advice would you give to the next person coming into the team? Um, any type of questions like yeah. that. Questions you would not ask at the end of an interview. That's, yep. Would be, we tend to say, don't ask about salary. Um, mm. That's what we are here for as a recruiter. We're here to, you know, Do represent you. you. And um, sometimes as well, candidates will go in and then they'll get asked a question from the line manager. And sometimes they think they're going to get a better answer from them. And the times when they've said, Jane, they, they asked for like an extra 10K more than mm. what we you know presented them for and i'm like they've never mentioned that figure to me yeah. yeah that you know we've had conversations with them now over two three weeks or we've actually worked with this candidate for the past five years yeah you know i don't know why they said that but we can have them conversations direct with them and normally we get back to the real and when we ask them why did you say that and they're like <laughs> oh well I, I you know i'm on this at the moment and I, you know 10 to 15k would be the ideal amount increase and it's like well it's not going to go up that much but yeah this is what the job's advertised for and we can coach them through it but i normally say don't talk about salary i normally say don't ask where my breaks are how many holidays do i get or mm. i feel like because all of that i think <laughs> i think it was like all of that stuff is all going to be there on on paper anyway you're going to find that yeah. out if you get offered the role I think, yeah i think yeah. as well making sure that you've got your reason for leaving your current role clear yes. okay if you if because we are obviously That's communicating to our client why you're looking to move and why you're wanting that particular role if you then come in with a completely really different, different answer story, or yeah. multiple answers it doesn't look good mm. they question it they go oh yeah. you know you know what excuse will they give if they ever leave us you know those sorts okay. of things um, yeah. making sure that you don't talk negatively about, about your, your current previous... workplace is another yeah. really big yeah. one um, don't be seen as complaining or anything like that as well because that that's just going to look negative on you yeah and it's, yeah, I think it is just having a real genuine mm. reason of why you are looking to leave your current role. Mm. Like, it, it's it's life. Everyone goes through cycles. They want to get a new job. They may want more money for, you know, personal reasons. They may want to learn new things and learn new skills. Like, that is 100% healthy. But when you've been asked why you're leaving your current job from that employer then they're just wanting to hear a genuine answer 100%. and when they get quite waffly answers it sometimes leaves more question marks and they're mm. like jane i just wasn't sure like i just couldn't get to the bottom of why they wanted to leave that job after eight years or after three years or whatever it may be so yeah. just be clear concise yeah i want to move on to a new job i've mastered everything in that role yeah. i've got really good relationships but what's next for me i'm happy in customer service like and that's another thing they're like but they're coming from like for like job you know why do they want that and yeah. it's like sometimes it's just a change of scenery that mm. they're after um it could be as like simple as that but normally there are i'd say on average mm. two to three reasons why someone would want to leave a job yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that normally makes that decision. I think uh, I think for me, I think a good one to ask is how is I guess success measured within my first three months in the role. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a good one because then it gives you an understanding of the expectation. Yeah. When you go in, and again, from every company, success is going to be measured 
very, very differently. Yeah. So I think getting an idea of what you're, as you said earlier, getting yourself into in a day-to-day is good. And I also think asking a question that kind of, like you said, getting to learn more so about your hiring manager or a potential um, colleague. So it's something like, oh, you've been in, I see you've been in the role for eight years. Because sometimes if I know, if people know who they're going to be, get interviewed by that they should do a quick linkedin search yeah, or yeah. they find out who they are so if you find out say if you're hiring manager of the company's been there for eight years ask them about that you've been eight years that's a long time what was your role when you first started and how long were you in that before you got promoted and now you're hiring manager what has that process been like um, and yeah. so i think trying to learn a little bit more about who you'll be working with in the interview is also a pretty good question question yeah. to ask but there's there's so many questions you can ask at the end of an at, a, at the end of an interview yeah. let you just google good questions yeah. to ask yeah. at the end like, of an interview that's part of our interview prep isn't mm. it we'll give we'll give example questions to yeah, our candidates sure. to ask but then you know use your, your recruiter if even it's not me and kate though it should be um <laughs> like use your recruiter to ask them i've got these interview questions prepared like do you think these are good questions or mm. i'm really tr- like, culture's so important to me now do you have any suggestion questions of how i can kind of gauge what the culture is like in the business mm. and me and kate can help with them questions yeah so i find because yeah you can ask someone what the culture is like but and also, like what does culture such, yeah, mean? Yeah, what does that cul- what does <laughs> culture even mean? Culture means different to every yeah, single yeah. company. So I think, like you said, we you need probably with the culture thing, there needs to be more of a specific question. Like you mm-hmm. kind of talked about, you can leave work early if your child's sick. That's yeah. culture. That's allowing you the flexibility mm-hmm. yeah. to leave in the middle of the day at the drop of a pen. Mm-hmm. Um, them allowing you to. I think work anywhere in the office you want. You don't need to be stuck at a desk. Yeah. I think those kind of things are kind of what give you a better understanding of mm. of what the culture is. Because when you say, "What's the culture like?" Oh, it's fun. It's great. Everyone gets on. But that yeah. doesn't really tell you anything. Because yeah. you'd like to think that it was fun and everyone gets on in every company. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that shouldn't be a standard answer. So being specific with the kind of questions, if you're trying to learn about about the culture. Yeah. We are almost done. Oh. <laughs> You'd be happy to know or not happy to know. Keep this going all day. Um, what does 2023 look like for, I guess, the customer service industry? What do you foresee happening? Um, any changes in terms of, I guess, we touched on salaries, but yeah. that, do you think that's going to plateau? But is there anything in particular that you'd like to kind of touch on that you think is going to be a bit different in 2023? compared to 2022 in the customer service industry? Yeah, like I think for me, my prediction is we are starting to see a lot more companies now have um, recruitment freezes happening. Um, seen just a few cuts before Christmas as well mm. with quite large mm. medical device companies. Um, so I do believe that we'll start to see maybe a bit more of a slowdown with permanent customer service roles mm. and an increase of contracting Contract, okay. customer service roles. Um, with the you know the borders now open and working holiday visas coming through, um, I'm really hoping that they can help us with that demand mm-hmm. when it does happen, because yeah we've had awesome successes with some great like especially like from Ireland they'll come over with science degrees and experience yeah. and we can help them get them jobs within customer service while they're traveling around. So yeah, that's my prediction for 2023. And what about you, Kate? I think from what I'm sort of seeing is definitely still that push for culture as well. That seems yeah. to be the predominant thing over salary. Um, but I'm also seeing that people, they want to change in terms of 
not just the role. They want changes in everything. Um, mm. And they it can be the simple change of it's 10 kilometres closer to my home. Um, so oh, that's yeah. that all those sorts of things are really coming in that are yeah. definite changes that we're seeing. Um, and I think with the contracting thing as well, I think it's making sure people understand it's not a, necessarily a risk to take on a contract over mm. a permanent position. You can prove yourself under a contract position and they might offer you a permanent position. The amount of skills that you can gain from just doing those sorts of contract roles, because um, if you're not happy where you are now, you're better off taking a contract position where it could be the best thing you've ever done. You've learned all these skills. Yeah. In the meantime of trying to find that yeah. next definite role sort of thing as well. So I think we're going to see a shift in people's mindsets around that. Amazing. And you, you touched on the whole the 10K closer to, to home kind of thing. It's interesting because sometimes like I overhear people's conversations in the office and I find that a lot of the times that's the conversation that has like, okay, where do you live? like oh i live in the northern beaches or i live in manly whatever and then maybe the i guess the where if it's the warehouse the warehouse is somewhere out west or whatever and then that seems to be like a a deciding factor like mm, I'm, that's going to be two hours each way mm. whether that's public transport or driving for me not willing to yeah spend that much time traveling back and forth five days a week yeah um which I never, which I never really thought of before. Whenever mm. everyone was working in the office five days a week, you never really thought about the amount of time that you spend going mm, back and forth. Up until now, when you have the time at home to work, it's like okay, I'd rather get a role that's either a lot closer or gives me the flexibility to maybe start earlier so I can skip the traffic and get yeah. back home. So, um, I guess that's again, like you said, something that people are going to be looking forward yeah. to in twenty twenty three. Um. I think that's us. I think that's it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think we covered everything. Do you have a quick one? Do you have any career advice for someone who wants to get into customer service? Contact me and Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Contact us at SPG. No, to be if you're a science graduate and mm. you're wanting a career within that medical device or pharmaceutical space, um, gaining any experience working within an office environment will really set you apart mm. to when you graduate with other people that graduate. So mm. um, definitely going for a role that you've got experience in that industry as so you're well. you're saying university students yeah. are able to actually get roles before they even graduate? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, they're really good um, candidates to work with. Normally quite dedicated. They want to make a good impression. Um, and are they working so how would a company offer a role to someone who's in uni because obviously depending on their degree they may be working I don't know 20 yeah. to 30 hours like how, how does that work in terms of because I know with, with Kate like and the opt yeah. optics and stuff yeah. you, you are able to get university students roles it, de it depends on what the company's looking for as well yeah. they may be happy to bring on two students to replace one full timer but they bring okay. on two junior staff yeah. might be that might stay on because their degree goes for five years so they okay. might be there yeah. longer term because they're wanting the experience and they're wanting that exposure so that's but yeah normally it is like candidates or grad undergrads that mm. are in uni part-time mm. and maybe doing that university um studies remotely so they can oh, yeah. actually work full-time hours and they'll need time off for things like exams or whatnot but yeah. normally companies you'll have like maybe holidays available to use for that or normally there's a bit of like understanding from the manager um 
but yeah we normally say to university students like get your foot in the door for sure okay. like that'll really help you um and if somebody's got anything from like fmcg background and want to move into pharma or med device space mm. they're really um a great candidate for us mm. to work with and even as well like logistics as well if you've got a logistics background um yeah would love to hear from you as well Perfect. And then for you, do you have any career advice for someone? I would say that just because you've necessarily studied something or you started working in what you studied and you don't like it doesn't necessarily mean that's the end of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, we've placed nurses, vet nurses. Um, you know, if you've gone into that industry and it's not, I saw that it's too much for you now, your work-life balance has changed or your works or your personal circumstances have changed and that's and the customer service environment would sort of suit you better um we we'd love to hear from you because there are those companies out there you've been exposed to their products you do know what they're all about Mm -hmm. um and i guess as well for people that have worked in clinics um on that technical side you've actually been dealing with the patients for example if you've been helping them sort of set up maybe their dialysis treatment or anything where you've been exposed to that those are sort of candidates we want to hear from for those technical roles as well and also as well like customer service isn't just a stepping stone like customer Mm. service is a career choice um so i think Sometimes people have that opinion to be like, oh, I don't want to do customer service. Like, that's not the right career for me. You can actually do amazing things within customer service and have a really successful career within customer service too. So, yeah, it's not just a stepping stone. No, I mean, I did customer service and now I'm in recruitment. There you go. There you go. go. Um, That's amazing. Thank you very much, Kate and Jane. Um, that was very insightful. I'm sure everyone listening is going to be blown away by the information they've been given. Um, like we said at the start, the customer service um, representative role within healthcare is such an integral part of it. Yeah, mm. They make such a massive difference in um, the skills and the characteristics you need for, for a customer rep is is crazy because they have such a such an impact um and it's great that you two are so much involved with it these two ladies are amazing at what they do um we are so particular about the people that we put forward for our roles yeah because at the end of the day like we said patients are the like the end goal and the patients are what we're doing it for so you can't just put anyone in any role just because you have to be so particular the reference checks have to to check out and um, everything has to align perfectly with what our uh, clients needs and what our candidate needs so that when we do place them, um, they're going to do the best job they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, thank you very much for sitting down with me and look forward to chatting again soon. Me too. <laughs>